Welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For further information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. Good morning. Welcome to Vineyard Cleveland Online. My name is Eben Brusco. I'm Jason Torrance. And we're just so glad that you've joined us here this morning for our online worship experience. We hope and we pray that you encounter something of God's presence with us as we learn and we grow together in what it means to bring life to the city and grow as the body of Christ worshiping Jesus. This morning, we've got a real treat. We're going to be starting a new series that we've called, Who is My Neighbor? And what this series is all about is a biblical look at unity and what it means to be called into or brought into this new kingdom that Jesus ushers us into as a church. And this morning, specifically, we're going to be talking about our allegiance. You know, where does our allegiance lie? Where are our allegiances, which is especially poignant as we are in an election cycle and an election year and living through very complex times? Yeah, um, I mean, like Evan was saying, it's super complex and it's very easy to fall into our partisan politics on just about everything. Um, But when we're looking at who is my neighbor and when we're looking at the world and trying to figure out how to go through things, we really want to be focused and honed in on Jesus and how he leads us. Um, And so through this whole uh, sermon series, that's what we want to be focusing on. And so we're starting that off with pledging allegiance, like where are our eyes looking? So I'm going to open us up in prayer and then we're going to launch into it. Um, So Jesus, we thank you so much, God, that you have brought us into your kingdom, Lord. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you that you take broken people, messed up people, people who don't have it all together, and that you welcome us into your family. Jesus, we pray that you would help us to be a people of your kingdom that carry your heart into the world. Um, And we pray that you would speak through us. Um, speak through us all the time, God, but speak through us also in the sermon, Lord, and let your words go out and convict us, change us, give us hope for where you want to lead us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So one of the main ideas that we want to be focused on in this sermon today is that we want to be thinking about how our lives and views should be shaped by the kingdom we belong to, not the culture that's around us, Right. If you belong to Jesus, that means you belong to a different kingdom. And that means you should carry a different culture. You should carry his culture, not the culture of America or the culture of your family or the culture of, you know, your political system. Like our ways are not the ways of the world. And actually, they're often in conflict with it. it. Um, We don't belong to the world, so we're not like the world. John 15, 18 through 19 says, if the world hates you, Keep in mind that it hated me first. This is Jesus speaking. Jesus says, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. So when you go around and you see, uh, and you have an opinion or a choice that you have to make because of the Bible, because Jesus convicts you, and you find people don't agree with that, like Jesus says, yeah, that's gonna happen because we don't do things the way the world does. Right? Our wisdom is not the same kind of wisdom that the world has. Um, in 1 Corinthians 1.20 and then 22 through 25, Paul writes, 
Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the, of the world? Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. So to say like Jews and Greeks or Jews and Gentiles was like the New Testament way of saying everybody, right? Because if you were not a Jew, you were a Gentile. And for them, living under Roman occupation, Romans usually used the Greek culture. To say Greeks is like, yeah, all of the other people. And so Paul is saying that Christ crucified, the gospel that we follow, it's offensive to everyone. Like, it doesn't matter what culture you come from. It doesn't matter what wisdom system you subscribe to, whether you're a Jew or a Greek or a black or a white or a Republican or a Democrat. Jesus is going to offend everybody. Like, he's going to dis there's going to be points where Jesus disagrees with you, and that is okay. It's supposed to be offensive. Because the good news is that Jesus calls Jews and Greeks. He calls Jews and Gentiles. He calls everyone. So whether you're black or white or American or something else or Democrat or Republican or whatever, Jesus can call you and become for you the wisdom of God and the power of God. He can open our eyes so that we can see that. Yeah, I think, too, it's important to realize that Jesus doesn't belong to mm. just one group of people. Mm -hmm. You know, it's important to understand as well that Jesus was born in a part of the world where folks are not white, meaning Jesus was not white. Jesus was born in an area of the world where people were darker skinned. And this is important for our context, why? When we talk about the kingdom, we talk about a kingdom where Jesus belongs to everybody. Mm -hmm. Jesus belongs to every ethnicity, every tribe, every tongue, every nation. Jesus belongs to everybody. And there's not one ethnicity or political party or demographic that can say we have the corner market on who Jesus is. No, Jesus' kingdom is broader and larger than that. And Jesus belongs to everybody. Furthermore, with this being said, that Jesus belongs to everybody, you, as a member of that kingdom, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, should not be able to find everything that you've ever desired in solution in one political party or one world view. Like, the U2, the group U2, the lead singer from that band, Bono, says, if there was a movement that I could believe in, I would join that one. But you should not be able to find all of your sensibilities, all of your views um, affirmed by one earthly political party or the other. It's just that simple. Why? Because Jesus' system is broader than that. His kingdom is broader than that. Now, on the positive side of that, we can see that there are echoes of God's grace and his favor that are resting with all of these different systems that humans have created. And they're traces, actually, of God's truth and his value for human life and so on and so forth. So how are we supposed to navigate these complex times, these murky waters where 
we're being thrown narratives from each political party and this and this season specifically and and ideals and worldviews from every different angle are coming at us. How are we to navigate these times? Well, the word of God gives us a clear answer on how we're to do that. And that's by offering ourselves in worship. Check out what Paul says in Romans 12, 1. In Romans 12, 1, we're told, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. And here's the key part in worship as well. Verse two, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will for you is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. What Paul, what the Holy Spirit is saying through Paul is this. Hey guys, listen, do you want to, are you confused? Is it a complex world that you live in? Do you lack wisdom for what's going on? You're not going to find it in the world's political systems. You're not going to find it in, um, in your purpose, in your job. You're not going to find it here or there or whatever. The only place you will find it is in the power of a renewed mind through the Holy Spirit. And that comes by returning to the word of God. We're, um, we're transformed from the old patterns of the world. Those patterns which are evil, which have been passed down through generation to generation, were transformed in our minds, washed in that to viewing the world, to viewing um, our relationships the way that Jesus views them. We belong to a different kingdom. And similarly, in 1 Corinthians 3, let me get there real quick. In 1 Corinthians 3, 18 through 23, we read this. Do not deceive yourselves. If any one of you thinks he is wise by the standards of this age, he should become a fool so that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then, no more boasting about men. All things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world of life or death or the present or the future are all yours. And you are of Christ and Christ is of God. Yeah, it's uh, it's alarmingly easy for us to deceive ourselves into thinking that we are wise, that we are clever, that we're smart, that only our side has the right answers and that no one else does. It's easy to attach our names to leaders or movements with clever arguments or clever memes or, you know, really hard punching uh, infographics and to feel smug about our superiority for having chosen correctly. We support our side and we feel pressure to agree with the other people on our side because that's the side that we belong to. But we shouldn't act like we already know all the right answers, right? Like don't assume that you know what the Holy Spirit is going to speak into your life. Instead, seek to put on the humility 
that come from wisdom, as the, James says, the humility that is quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. The wisdom that knows that if God, through his spirit, can speak through a donkey, like he did in the Old Testament, if God can speak through, like, messed up me or messed up you, right, when we know all of our own brokenness, then that means he can also speak through my enemies, right? He might also even speak through the leaders I generally don't agree with. We can keep our ears open and be ready to catch God's truth whether it comes from the leaders we like or the leaders we don't, because in Christ, we don't belong to the leaders. The leaders belong to us, right? Whether the leaders or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all things are ours because we are Christ and Christ is is God's, right? So we don't have to twist and contort our beliefs to fit into a particular cultural model. Um, We don't have to fear making the missteps, the missteps, mistakes, and outright opposition of an opposing view, right? Because God turns everything towards the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Um, His sovereign care over your life means that even when people cause you to suffer by their evil plans, Mm -hmm. God is using their actions for your good, for your betterment, for your increase, for your holiness and wholeness. So because we belong to Christ, because we are part of his kingdom, we don't have to fear like the world fears. We don't have to fear not fitting in with our party. We don't have to fear the enemy and what they might be trying to do. And because we don't fear the way the world fears, we don't have to fight the way the world fights. Yeah, that's exactly right. And there's so much fighting happening right now. I mean, both in rhetoric with words and literally Mm. folks fighting for their side in the street. So how are we to fight in this uh, cultural climate, in this moment that we find ourselves in right now? What does God's word tell us? How how do we... um, how do, we, how do we accurately, how do we authentically live in this cultural climate, in this cultural moment, as members of this new kingdom? All this fighting is happening. Everyone is entrenched in their own side for what they believe is right and what they believe is wrong. Well, the word of God is really clear. In 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, we read this. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And here's the key right here, you guys. And we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Mm making every thought captive, obedient to Christ. Or as I would tell my son, Luca, we lock that thought up and make it captive and obedient to Jesus, making it say yes to Jesus. So I know and realize that we've been 
saying that we're not suppo uh, supposed to follow the ways of the world here. This is what we've been talking about. We're part of a new kingdom. But I kind of wanted to co-op something for the kingdom in the same way that we see political parties doing that today. You're familiar with this. There are hot-button phrases that we could say mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in this cultural climate that mean completely different things to every person. Take, in, take a phrase like Black Lives Matter, for instance, and one side uses the phrase and co-ops the phrase to triumph the cause, while the other phrase says, hey, all lives matter. Mm. And it's so confusing. How are we to stand in the middle of all of this? You know, do Black Lives Matter? Well, what does my party say? This, mm. is, how we, uh, this is how we interpret cultural happenings in our day. Well, the Democrats say, uh, yes, so we'll step over here and never critique anything. Oh wait, I'm a Republican and we don't like that. So we'll step over here and we'll raise our all lives matter flag or our blue lives matter flag. How do I feel about masks? Well, I know that my party feels this way about masks. So who are you to tell me to put a mask on? And likewise, from the other side, oops, I mean, I'm a Democrat. So anyone who doesn't wear a mask is a grandma-killing sociopath, so let me get my judgy face on. <laughs> you know, it's like so confusing. I don't know if that's the way the internal conversation goes for you or not, but that's what it looks like on the outside. And what we're saying here this morning is that we need to do that, but with Jesus. We need to take his views. How does Jesus feel? about immigrants? How does Jesus feel about uh, the marginalized in our society? How does Jesus feel about, um, about anything, about everything? If we were only to take our political party's view, let's just, let's just, say, let's just say it straight out. The evangelical church in America needs to um, repent for idolizing the American political party mm. system as God. Mm. We need to filter how we view about any given situation through the lens of scripture, through the lens of Jesus, mm. not through the lens of our political party. Furthermore, in Colossians 3.17, we read this, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do mm -hmm. in word or deed. Yeah, you know, one of the things that resonated with me that you're saying was that um, when, was the idea that we need to look to Jesus and not to these political systems and how we've idolized them. And one of the traps that we can get into is feeling like, like we in our modern era have arrived, right? So when our views don't match up with the views of the world, it's tempting to be like, oh, the Bible is this ancient text. Is it really relevant anymore, right? Which is really a form of arrogance because that's, that's assuming that now we know better. Like our truth now is a timeless truth, whereas the truth from Jesus is not. And so that's really, it's really challenging. It's really challenging for me. Like, when I come up against a viewpoint that my culture thinks, and I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Mm. But I know that the Bible d disagrees with that. I know that God disagrees with it. It's really tempting to focus on the perspective now and being like, but it makes so much sense to me. 
as opposed to thinking about, no, God has a timeless, eternal perspective. And so, of course, he is right, even if it feels wrong to me right now. Uh, that's real good. Um, so, yeah, like we and in that we should not be wholly on one side of politics or the other. Right. Because like you were saying earlier, like both sides of politics, you know, they're formed by people. And that means that they, they're fallen and they're sinful and all this kind of stuff. So things can be, there's a lot of bad and sin and twisted perspectives, twisted priorities mixed up in there. But they're all made by people who are in the image of God, yeah. which means that there's reflections of God's grace and his mercy and his truth and, and justice in both of those sides too. So we should not wholly be on one earthly side or the other. We should be able to say when someone asks like, hey, are you for us or for our enemies? We should be able to say, neither. I'm on the Lord's side. Yeah. Just like the angel in Joshua. When Joshua came up marching to Jericho and he saw an angel standing there with a sword out, he said, are you on our side or our enemy's side? And the angel said, neither. I am on the side of the Lord. And that's where we should be as part of this kingdom. Um, because truthfully, we're not really concerned with the, primarily the human part of politics. Right. Ephesians 6.10 says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Like my enemy is not actually, you know, what, uh, the other political side. My enemy are the spiritual forces of present darkness in this present age. Right. Right. And that those are the forces that are trying to manipulate us into hatred and fear and violence and greed and lust and, you know, all those kinds of other other immoralities like our battle is not to beat someone else and yeah. prove our side right. Yeah, yeah. We battle not to win an argument, but we want to win hope or we want to win hearts for the glory of God. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that even means not arguing. That means not winning the surface argument about black lives or blue lives or pro-life or pro-choice or those things. It means not fighting primarily on that level because our aim is not victory or domination. Because that's not how our kingdom works. That's not how our culture works. That's so good. So, like, what is our aim then, right? First um, Corinthians ten thirty one through thirty three says: So, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the Church of God. Even as I try to please everyone in every way, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Like a life lived for God's glory will be a life well lived. Like if you want the creator of all life, of all the earth, the eternal and final judge with a perspective on the right side of history for all things mm. to consider your life choices great, then you must do your best to follow what he called the greatest commandments. Right. Which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. You must always start and come back and end on loving the Lord your God. Nothing works outside of the context of that loving relationship with God. If you try to do this without him, your love for others might seem great on the surface, but it'll ultimately be warped and twisted and worthless unless you first realize and embrace the love that God has for you, which then always transforms into you loving God. 
Yeah, and that overflows into our communities, into our families' lives, into our hearts, indeed, as we dial it down like that. That's the only way. You see, because you can't, we can't get around Jesus and not be impacted or affected by him. Whenever anyone comes into contact with Jesus, you take it to the bank. When you're in the scriptures and you're watching Jesus walking, walking around when he was here on earth, People came into contact with Jesus and their lives were changed. Mm -hmm. And that's how, um, that's how we know more of the love of God. We receive the love of God from the person of Jesus. We, you can't get around him and not be changed. It just, um, it just, he carries transformation with him wherever he goes. And that's the next point. As we read in John, the mission of carrying this new culture of the kingdom of God. We read this in John 17. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Jesus says to his father, he prays to his father, sanctify them by the truth. Because your word is truth. As you sent me, Jesus is saying, Father, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them, all of us, into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Mm. Sanctified, fancy word for um, cleansed, for um, being a disciple, a mature disciple of Jesus. What does that look like to be sanctified, to be cleansed, to be sent into the world as Jesus was sent into the world? Well, how was Jesus sent into the world? Well, the Father sent Jesus into the world with a specific purpose. Jesus was on mission. Jesus came to the world and as um, crazy as it sounds, Jesus came to the world to die, to give his life. We read in scripture as a ransom for many, to bring sons and daughters. We read in other uh, portions of scripture to bring many sons and daughters into glory. Jesus came into the world to die on a Roman cross to restore all of creation to himself, to indeed forgive the most heinous of sins, to redeem the most evil person and to make them clean, to sanctify them. This is the gospel, you guys, hmm. that Jesus was sent into the world with a purpose and with a mission. And we are sent in the same way. We are sent in the same way. We're sent into this world as we carry this new culture with a mission, with a purpose. You have purpose on your life. You have mission inscribed into your heart and into your mind. Paul tells us that we are the poetry of God. We're the poema of God. We have the signature of God inscribed. How? Yes, for the forgiveness of our sins and also to usher in for the good works that he has assigned for us to be and to do while we're here on earth. We're sent with a mission, bringing heaven, the heavenly kingdom, down onto the earth, into the earth, bringing the kingdom of God among the people of the earth. Are you a person of the earth? Well, you've got a mission, you've got a purpose written on your life, and it's to bring 
the kingdom of God into the world. So we've been given a mission to, we've been set apart, sanctified, set apart, or cleansed, sanctified, set apart for the work of God. Yeah, that's so good. And you know, I really loved when you're talking about how Jesus came to give his life to bring others to glory, right? To bring others to God, to bring others to himself. And in that same way, God has appointed us and anointed us to go and give our lives, right? Like, obviously, my life doesn't, like, atone for anyone's sin. But in the same way, I'm supposed to be a vessel of outpouring of God's mercy, of his grace, of his kindness, of his love. And you know what's interesting there is, as you talk about uh, for dying for the sins of others, for everyone. But it's interesting to note, just in the uh, context of what you're talking about, that Jesus died for our enemies' sins as well. Yeah. I don't know if that's where you were. Yeah, 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 no, no. Um, That he died. Because the gospel is something that humbles us, right? Because I can't, like you were saying before, we have no corner market on truth. Yeah. You know, like I am not the reason why I have any kind of mission or purpose. Like Jesus said, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Right. So God's the one who sets us apart. And it's his word that makes us different from the world. It's not my superiority. It's not my morality, because honestly, someone who doesn't follow Jesus might have a higher morality than I do. They might be a better person. But that's not what the gospel is about. It's not about following the rules. The thing is, is that no matter how good of a person you can be on the outside or even on the inside, no matter how virtuous you are, like your heart is still twisted up by sin. It's still twisted towards yourself and to glorify yourself. And what we proclaim as the gospel is that Jesus saw that ugliness and he said, I still love them anyway. Right. And so because I have been loved in my ugliness, that means no matter how ugly the world gets out there, I can love them too. Right. Because the word of God is the truth that sanctifies us. And that word is the word that says that, you know, he saw value in us, that he declared us as lovely. So we seek to put ourselves under the word, to humble ourselves and to listen to what God's trying to tell us, because we know that transformation is everywhere. And that's what he's anointed us to do to bring his kingdom of culture and culture of transformation into all these dark places, into all this violence, into all this, you know, divisiveness Mm -hmm. and bring unity like he came to bring unity. Yeah. And like only he can. And like only he can. Like you said, we can't find that anywhere else but in the reconciling work of Jesus on the cross. And it's only a gift that we are able to to be brought into this ministry of reconciliation. So really what we're talking about here is being ambassadors Uh for Christ. We're talking about um, partnering with God into who we're designed to be as followers of Jesus, which is to carry, not only carry the mission and purpose and culture of the kingdom, but to release that Mm -hmm. kingdom everywhere we go. Uh, I think Paul talks about it as the fragrance. Do you, do you smell like Jesus? Do you smell? Do we smell? Are we living in such a way that we smell like Jesus? Mm-hmm. I mean, carrying the fragrance of Jesus' kingdom everywhere we go. And how do we know what the kingdom of God smells like? Well, we're given a really clear outline in scripture. Mm-hmm. And you just know when you're around lovers of Jesus who are demonstrating the fruit of the spirit, the Bible calls it, you just know that there's something about Jesus 
that has penetrated that person's heart, that has caused them to not only think and view the landscape around them with Jesus' eyes, but allows them to go as an ambassador to be a blessing to usher the kingdom in in action as well. Yeah. Um, so like an ambassador, I love that word because an ambassador is like a representative of a kingdom or a nation. Right. Yeah. And they their job is to protect the interests of the nation, to uh, spread their culture into the, whatever nation they're, they're resting in or residing in. And to um, there's one more. Carries the weight of the oh, they also carry the weight yeah. and the authority of their nation, right? And so that's what we are. We've been appointed by Jesus as ambassadors of God, and the mission and the culture that we are supposed to be carrying forward is reconciliation, right? So, so, so we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, and what that means is breach or uh, not breach. Um, bridge this gap, solve, uh, come back together with the God that you created for, right? Because as we move towards him, like Evan was saying, that fruit of the spirit that comes from just spending time with Jesus in his word and prayer and in community with other people, like when you spend time with Jesus, he changes you into being an agent of reconciliation mm. where you will bring other people into oneness and wholeness and healing. That's huge. That's, that's huge because what you're saying, when we talk about this word reconciliation in a scriptural context and we look at it from a kingdom view, what Paul is saying here as he's calling you and I, all of us, ambassadors of this new kingdom that we've been brought into, the word ambassador, Jason uh, described beautifully and Reconciliation. The word reconciliation means to take two half things and to make them whole. What an honor. So before anything else, Paul is saying before your job, you, you may be a teacher, an educator. You may be a mom of uh, two little kids. You may, you may be a lawyer. You may be a janitor. You may be whoever you are or you consider your identity to be. Paul, the Holy Spirit is saying through Paul, above all of those other things and within all of those other things, your first priority as a follower of Christ is to usher in the gospel of wholeness to make two half things whole. So wherever we are seeing broken things or half things, we're to be engaged in the work of making those things whole or to or like as Jason said, bringing heavenly solution to earthly problems. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is that this it's a job and it sounds like a big job. Right. But it yeah. does not depend it's on huge. us. I can't right? do that. Right? It, How do I do that? It all comes from God. It all comes from God. Right. First uh, Peter two, nine and 10 says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession so that you may declare the praises of him who brought you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So what this means is that when you are in Jesus, you have a place, you have a purpose, you will always belong, right? And, and that belonging comes with a drive, with a mission, with a, with a desire that bubbles up within you, right? To declare the praises of him who brought you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Like a priest's job is to kind of bridge the gap between God and man, 
right? To help people get to God. And as we're doing that, I was thinking about this, about like, you know, how being a minister, a minister of reconciliation, an ambassador of reconciliation is like primarily towards God, right? But if I'm over here and you're over here and God's up here and I'm going this way and I'm bringing you up to God and I'm imploring you to be reconciled, at the top, we're together, right? At the top, there's unity. At the top, there's healing, right? So our job, our joy is to invite people like, hey, this is an open invitation to citizenship. Like you, if you are not a citizen of the kingdom, if you hear all this stuff about unity and reconciliation and culture and doing things different and having like an eternal perspective and you're like, man, I wish I had that, but I don't. Like if you want to know what it's like to be in a place where you know you are loved, where you are seen to the depths of your ugliness and you are loved to the depths of your ugliness, then the invitation is open. Like God says, come. He implores us, right? Like when Paul in that verse in 2 Corinthians says, we implore you on Christ's behalf. He's like, we're begging you. Like we're on our knees begging you. Please be reconciled to God. It's good for you. And it's great for God. Like he wants us. He loves us so much that he's begging us to do what's best for us. Yeah. And that's actually the way that everything gets made new Mm. is by individuals coming to a loving God and simply receiving. The cool thing about the citizenship part is this, you guys, that you don't have to jump through any hoops. You don't have to do any um, number of things in order to be a part or to belong to this kingdom, to be a citizen of this kingdom. All you need to do is receive. We bring nothing to the table but the depth of the ugliness of the sin. And Christ comes through his death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave and makes all things new. And the way that he does that is through um, broken people like me and you, um, given the ministry of reconciliation through relationship with Jesus. That's how all things get made new. And it's just astounding to me. It's crazy to me that he would use, that he would partner, that God would partner with folks like me and you to bring this new kingdom to earth. Jesus prayed for us. He said, when you pray, pray, God, let your kingdom come and let your will be done here on earth in Cleveland as it is where you are. Jesus didn't say Cleveland, but he said Cleveland. You know what I'm saying? In his heart. And so in his heart, he said Cleveland so that you and I would carry the fragrance of the knowledge of God, which is found in the person of Jesus. Now, does this mean that everything's going to be all roses after we decide to be a part of this new kingdom? No. And a lot of times, like Jason said earlier, people will be offended When you say, hey, I'm not on your side and I'm not on your side, I'm in the radical middle, that's offensive because people want you to join their side and you're you're no more keenly aware of that than this current season that we're in. People want you to join their side. And when you say, I'm not on your side and I'm not on your side, that's offensive to people. But thanks be to God, I'm on the Lord's side. You can hold, this can be done. You can hold the tension. You can hold the radical middle of saying, yeah, I'm not for this or for that. I'm for the Lord. And that makes me for all. 
And the way that we do that is we come to Jesus. So what I wanted to do, if you, if you wouldn't mind um, entertaining me, I, I wanted to pray um, for us this morning. And then Jonathan is going to lead us in a, uh, uh, a ministry response. And we're going to pray for all of us. Uh, but just join me in prayer. If you want to come into relationship with Jesus, you just invite him into your life now. And it's as simple as that. Grace is given. It's not earned. And so, Jesus, we invite your presence here. We're thankful for your presence, that you didn't stay in the grave, that you were raised from the dead, and that now you didn't just stop there, but you were raised to the highest place and you're seated at the right hand of the Father. And you didn't stop there, that you gave the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, And you put the Spirit in our lives. And we recognize the Spirit's presence, even as all the craziness is happening in our world right now, that Jesus, you reign and you rule. It's your kingdom above all other little kingdoms. Mm. And we give ourselves to your kingdom. And if you're in that place right now where you're thinking, gosh, I want to belong. I want to belong to this kingdom. I want to be a citizen of this kingdom this father of love and father of light who doesn't withhold anything, who's the perfect father, gave his son at the cross for our freedom to be a part of this new kingdom. Then you pray with me. Say, God, I'm sorry for my sin, the way I've offended you, the way I've walked. Um, I haven't kept my word. I haven't... uh, been a part of this kingdom, and I want to be uh, drawn into grace, drawn into the freedom that you provide. And say to God, God, come live inside of me. Fill me with your presence. Help me, God. Help me live this thing out. Amen. Jonathan's going to lead us in this final song of ministry response. And I wonder, Jason, if you could just pray us out. And we'll sign off for this week, but we love you guys very much. Yes, God, we thank you that you have called us to a kingdom and to a purpose, Lord. Thank you that you've given us a mission as ambassadors, God, to bring your kingdom's culture into the world where we live, Lord, to bring your life and your light, your joy, your truth, your love, your humility, your peace, your wholeness into all the areas where you've sent us, God. Lord, we repent of all the places where we have taken on the world's ways. God, we repent of, you know, depending too much on human wisdom and doing things the way that the world does, God. And we pray that you would turn our hearts back to you, Lord, wherever wherever we've made mistakes, God, wherever we've fallen away, that you would um, pull us back up into your kingdom, Lord, into your arms, into your love, into your peace, and your wholeness, and and just who you are, God, so that we can smell like you, Jesus, so that we can go into the world and just be bringing that fragrance, that aroma of Christ everywhere we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a great week, you guys. Uh, Stay in the presence of God this week. Whatever God was doing during the course of this message, as we worship together, as Jonathan leads us, be present with God in the things that he's calling you to as the citizen of the ministry of reconciliation, the citizen of the new kingdom that Jesus has brought. Have a great week, and we'll see you again soon. Bye.